hi to my video. Hi! <laughs> Are you going trick-or-treating? No, probably not. <laughs> now, I don't know why that is, and I, I can tell some of you are as sick as I am, because I don't know about you, but I think it's hilarious when people get scared. How many of you would agree? And, and, and there's a thing in our family. We like to scare one another. We like to, in fact, there's a lot of people on staff that are afraid to walk around a corner because somebody might be there just ready to go, boo, or something like that. I, I don't know why that is. Maybe there's prayer. Maybe there's deliverance. Maybe we can cast that out or something because, and, and actually the other night, Steph was coming home and it was a little bit late and, and, and I heard her and, and my favorite way to scare somebody is not to be the loud, obnoxious. And so she was coming around the corner. And I just went, Steph. And she's like, and it was, it was the weirdest thing because it was, it was like a, there was the pause. It was like, ah, you know, kind of a thing. It was just the craziest thing. It was like, and I don't know why that is. And, I, and then it's kind of funny. What's actually funnier is when people who don't like to be scared and, and, uh, <laughs> and then they get scared and you can just see it for a second. There's a flash of anger. Then it's hilarious because it's like you, they can't say anything because they know they got got. And, and, and so I don't know what it is. I don't know if you're like that, but scaring people and that's kind of, that's just, anybody just like to kind of, it's funny, isn't it? Some of you, can we admit that in church? We're supposed to be kind and nice. Yeah, but we're also supposed to bring the joy of the Lord to people as well. And uh, sometimes it's just us that needs that as well. And, and, and so there's, it's really kind of a cool thing that happens. I was doing some Googling and some, some, some looking at fear. And as you saw, you know, there's, there's two fears that we're born with. We're born with the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. And, and it's kind of interesting. There's an involuntary response, particularly with the fear of falling, but, but we see it more with the fear of loud noises because, uh, in fact, yesterday we were at a wedding and, and there was a loud noise and it was actually at the reception, there was a loud noise, which is not uncommon, I guess, for receptions, but it was a sudden noise and my instinct is the same as everybody else's instinct when you hear a loud noise. Why is it the first thing we do is this? And it doesn't matter if it's thunder, a gunshot, a tree, it doesn't matter. It just That's the first, but that's an involuntary response to fear. It is a fear response that we are just born with, that when there's a loud noise, we duck our head kind of a thing. We don't normally go like this, you know, we're like this. And it's just a fear response. The rest of the fears that we face in life are what are called, what are called acquired fears, We've learned them, and some of those fears keep us safe. Some of those fears are, are given to us to warn us of, of perhaps danger that might be out there. The fear of heights or the fear of certain animals, the fear of spiders and things like that. And then there's, there's something else in our reasoning, in our thinking, that enables us to, to differentiate at times because of experience. We might see a spider, and they're nasty, and they're gross. And, and, but, but because of experience, because we know that that particular spider is not poisonous, it's not dangerous, because we know even though it has eight legs, we have opposable thumbs and we can squash it. Yeah. 
And so we're not afraid of, now, now clowns, that's, that's totally rational. It's understandable why you would be afraid of clowns. You can't stand those things. But anyway, I love the picture of the clown and his sign that says free hugs. It's like, ain't no way, baby. You know, it's like, get out of here. Get thee behind me, sort of a thing. But, but those fears are acquired fears that, that help to keep us safe. But when they're pushed to an extreme, they, they don't keep us safe anymore. They, they ruin our lives. And so the, the, the fear, and, and here's what happens that I think is kind of interesting because it's an automatic response. When something makes you afraid, when something startles you, your body, your brain begins to produce chemicals and hormones and things begin to happen and, and, and immediately your blood pressure and, and your heart rate go up. Immediately your eyes begin to dilate to take in more light so that you can see your blood, your skin, the, the, the blood vessels on your skin constrict, which is why you might feel cold. It forces the blood to other parts of your body and, and, and the, the hairs on your arms will stick up because those, those muscles are tense up, we call them goosebumps, and, and it's forcing blood to other parts of our body so that our body is ready. And no matter what is going on in this internal response that we have to fear, prepares us to either fight for our life or run for our life. And that's a predictable response to fear. We either fight or we run. And there's a, there's a third response to fear in between fight and and flight, or flight and fight, is freeze. Everybody say freeze. In between those two is this other thing called freeze. I, I have a quick video that, that, that I want you to see that I think is very beneficial to you all this morning. Now, those are what is known as fainting goats. And I don't know if you've ever seen them or not, if you've ever seen stuff. I just think they're hilarious. And I wonder to myself, how are these not, in, how, how are these not you know, extinct? I mean, wolf! You know, kind of a thing. And it's like, how, do they, how are they still alive? Something happens in them that when they're startled, when they're afraid, they just lock up, they tense up, they can't move, and it's poof, all over. And I think it's, I don't get it, sorry, I think it's kind of funny, but, but, but that's the animal kingdom. And I think that sometimes our response to fear is one of fight or flight, or sometimes it's to freeze. Sometimes we freeze in that moment. And so it's kind of funny when there's a fear that perhaps, uh, uh, you know, startles us, we do something goofy, and we laugh about it, we joke about it, we, we tease about it, but this fear response of fight, flight, and freeze is very real regardless of how big the fear is. Anything from, from, from the fear of failure, the fear of rejection, the fear of the past, the fear that I've done it before and I've failed and I don't want to try it again, those can... It, it, begin to initiate the same response to fear, that we will either fight through those fearful feelings, or we will run away from them, or more often than not, we freeze in the middle of those things. 
And every single one of those are a, are, are a predictable response based upon our upbringing, based upon our experience, based upon how we've lived in the past, how we've processed things that have happened before. And so we're calling this series One Small Step, and, and, and I, I kind of like the way that it's positioned, and, and I really felt that this is the direction that we should go, but, but the last month of, of, of uh, September, I, I spent... My, I preach my heart out trying to encourage you that there is more. That, that, that no matter where you are in your walk with the Lord, you will never finish searching out the unsearchable riches, the unsearchable riches of Christ. You will never be able to explore the height, the depth, the length, and the breadth of God and his love. There is always more for you. You will never, ever, 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 ever reach the, the point that you are finished in your, in your followership of God because he is able to do it exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think. He can do far more than we can even, he can do far more than we're thinking about right now. And that's not just spiritual things, that's life things. That's the things that concern you. God can do more than you would ever hope to dream or imagine or think. And I want to encourage you that. I want you to believe that. I want you to expect the God of more to show up in your life and to cause things to happen. And I don't want you to get weary in well-doing. But there's a process. Everybody say process. We love the promise of the more that God offers. But more often than not, than not, we have to understand there is a process. That the promise lies on the other side of the promise. We want the promise. We want the blessing. We want the good stuff. God, I want the stuff. But God wants to bring us through a process. God wants to bring us through uh, some things in our lives so that we can conquer some things that will give us courage and confidence. But most importantly, that it will help us to trust him with every part of our life. We want to trust him with every single portion and part of our life. And so, as we begin to take a couple of steps in this, in Psalms chapter 37, verse 23, the first part, in fact, go ahead and put it up. Let's read this together. Psalms 37, 23, let's read it together. The steps of, a, of good men are directed by the Lord. One more time. The steps of good men are directed by the Lord. Notice the word steps. Everybody say steps. The steps of good men, not the giant leaps, not the, <laughs> not all those other giant, huge, big things, but it's the steps of the Lord that are directed. The steps of the Lord. The steps of the Lord. That's part of the process that God wants to bring you into and God wants to bring you through. The steps of the Lord. And, and, and I read this quote and I really I thought it was good. The kingdom of God is a place where destinies are determined. Where do we go? There we go. The kingdom of God is a place where destinies are defined by day-to-day -day decisions. Destinies are defined. Destinies are defined by day-to-day -day decisions. And I don't know why it is that we as Americans, we as human beings, we seem to understand undervalue, devalue the significance and the importance of steps. We tend to honor the, the biggest and the fastest and the best. We're, we're, we're excited to crown a champion after the World Series or after the Super Bowl or, or whatever it might be and somebody wins a contest. We're, 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 we're going to celebrate the big victories, but we don't celebrate the steps. We don't celebrate the small things. And we tend to, we, we tend to undervalue uh, the, 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 the power of a single step. You think about, and, and I, there's, there's reasons for that, but, but think about David. David was, was anointed to be king. 
God says, I, I, he showed up and said, David, you're going to be a king. Now, how many of you know that David wasn't immediately transported to become a king, was he? Why not? He wasn't ready to become a king. God says, I see in you kingship ability that is greater. It is greater. It is greater than, your, than what I'm asking you to do now as a shepherd. And David was a good shepherd. He was a faithful shepherd. He had shepherd skill and shepherd ability. The Bible says that while he was a shepherd, he killed a, a, a bear. He killed a lion. But David wasn't ready to become king. And so God had to set him, send him through a process because the promise was there, but he had to go through the process to get to the promise. And so David had to go through some, some, some circumstances. He had to go through some, some heartache and some hardship and some blood and some sweat and some tears. And then David got to a point where, where he, was, he was ready to become king. He was ready to assume the throne. But there's a problem. There was already somebody on the throne. And the guy that was on the throne, the throne sitter, didn't like the idea of somebody coming and taking his spot. And so the guy on the throne said, I'm going to kill you and get you out of the way. Now, here's God. I want you to be king. I've anointed you to be king. It's my plan and my purpose for you to be king. And it's like, God, what's the problem? I'm ready to say yes, and I'm ready to be king. David had to go through a process. You think about Jesus. God sent, I don't know why God does what he does. God is just cray-cray. He's weird. He just makes zero sense. Don't you all wish you were God? Because you could figure this out way better. Be far more efficient than God. <laughs> I hope you understand my tongue is firmly in my cheek <laughs> this morning. Because God didn't send a... If I was in charge, I'd have sent a superhero. I'd have sent a combination of Spider-Man and a Hulk. And, you know, I mean, just kind of a thing. And, and it had been over like that. God doesn't do things that way. God sent a baby who had to be born. Mary had to teach him how to walk. Had to teach him how to eat. Hold a, whatever they use, spoons and forks. I don't know what they used back in the day. But she had to teach him. She had to change a diaper. Why would God do that? Why would God do that? And the first 30 years of his life, we really don't know much at all about his life, do we? Other than we know that he, he grew in stature, he grew in wisdom, he grew in, in favor with God and man. But we don't really know. But in those 30 years, I believe that he was being prepared for three years of ministry. And those three years of ministry came after 30 years of preparation. And in those three years of ministry, he began to set a course. And he began to redirect the heart of humanity <clears throat> that had gone far away from God. Redirect them to God and back to God. But after that three years of ministry, his greatest moment and his most powerful thing and the greatest act of God's fulfilling his purpose in the life of Jesus happened in about three hours. He prepared for 30 years, for three years of ministry that ultimately led to three hours, three hours of service that changed the world. God doesn't just send a harvest. He doesn't just send a savior. God doesn't just send an answer. He sends a seed. And the seed has to go through a process. The savior had to go through a process. People have to go through a process to get to the promise. And it all begins with steps. The, the last part of Psalm 20, 37 verse 23, it says this. The steps of, a good, the steps of good men are directed by the Lord. He delights. Everybody say, he delights. God delights. He delights in each step that they take. God delights in the steps. 
not the big giant accomplishment. He delights in each and every step that a child of God will take. And, and, and that shouldn't be that, you know, surprising to us. Don't we as parents delight in the first steps of a baby? Some of you forget what it was like, maybe. But, but I mean, you know, and some of us, we were before Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. And, I mean, if it had been in the day, and some of you do this now, when your kid, you've got your phone there, you're videoing it, you're putting it on Facebook. Oh, it's so wonderful. You know, and you're, come on, come on, come on. You can make it. Make, take a step. Take, oh, you fell down. It's okay. Get back up. We're, we're encouraging. We're, and, and we're calling, hey, hey, they took a step. They took a step. We got to see the first step. We're excited about it. And what is our response when we're around children that, that are unaccustomed to walking? We're experienced walkers. We know how to walk. We've been doing it for quite some time. But we get down on their level and we'll hold their hand and we'll encourage them. And when they begin to stumble, we'll hold on to them so that they don't hit the ground. And we're delighting in every step that they take because it's an accomplishment. It is a signification that they are growing and I believe that your heavenly father and my heavenly father does exactly the same thing. He rejoices in every step. And he's not saying, would you hurry up? What is taking you so long? You'll never be. Can you hurry up the pace just a little bit? I got a world to save here and you're still stumbling. He's not doing it. He's like, oh, and that's what he, did. he sent Jesus down to our level to encourage us to take steps. God delights in steps, and if God delights in steps, why don't we delight in steps? Why do we take the, we again, we want to honor the big, the fast, the best, the furious. We want to honor those things, but we don't delight in steps. We, we don't delight and take joy in the, the momentary steps that we are taking. And remember again, great destinies are fulfilled by daily decisions that we make that bring us one step closer, one step closer, one step closer. I like the Passion Translation. It says this, the steps of the God-pursuing ones. The steps of the ones who are pursuing God follow firmly in the footsteps of the Lord. And God delights in every step they take to follow him. God delights in every step they take to follow him. God delights. He gets excited about it. He high fives the angels in heaven. He's like turning to Jesus. Did you see that? They took another step. That is so awesome. He delights in the steps. We tend to not do that as well. So here, I have this. What, what, what is this? A ladder. What kind of a ladder is it? It's a step ladder. It's not a leap ladder. This is not designed to go from here. Well, here, danger. This is not a step. It's, it's not designed to go from here to here, right? It's designed to, to one step at a time. God delights in every step that we take to follow him. And yet the question still remains, why is it that we don't delight in those steps? And I think there's, there's kind of a, a combination of reasons, but part of it is because we don't ourselves value a step. But we don't value a step because we don't understand what a step really is. We don't understand what the, what, what, what the Bible is talking about. We don't understand the power that one step can make in our life. And so let me ask you a question this morning. Is that a step? Yes, no, yes, no, yeah, I don't know, I'm confused. What, what do you want me to say? I mean, I can, <laughs> is this a step? Yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. It's a half a step. 
I would contend that this is an uncompleted step. It's a half step. Because a step means to me at least that I've taken a step towards where I'm going, but I've also left where I am. Did you see that? I know it's pretty deep. Let me try that again. This is not a whole step. Because a step denotes that I am going somewhere, but I'm also leaving where I was. Do you see what this said? Can I also tell you, I don't know if this will come up later. That's not a step. That's a seat. This shall be a sign unto you. If you can't say amen, say oh me. Because there are a lot of believers who have confused a step with a seat. And we've gotten so far, but that's all the farther that we've gotten. And we're satisfied. We're happy. We're comfortable. We're comfortable. It's, look how far I've come. You're not finished because there's more. I said you're not finished because there's more. And so that is not a step, a half a step. In the book of James, James 1.22 says that we are to be doers of the word and not hearers only. We're to be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own self. We are to, hearing the word, which is so important. It's why we encourage you to come to church. We encourage you to get in small groups. We encourage you to listen to the word of God. If you're gone on a weekend, which we understand, life is busy, it happens. We archive the services. We have live streaming. We do all kinds of things, and we face the battles. Aren't you encouraging people to stay away from church? No, we're trying to keep people connected to God. And whether they're doing it here, whether you're doing it at home, we love it when you're here. Amen. Amen. Life is better when you're with us on a Sunday. My life is better at least. I don't know about yours. I hope it is. But, but I like seeing your smiling faces and you're hearing your voices. But the point simply is this. Hearing the word is so important because that is what gives you the ability to have faith. I said it a couple of weeks ago, or maybe last week, that faith is like currency in the kingdom of God. We need, oh, was that Elevate? That's what it was. We need money. Everybody say money. money. We need more money. We, we need that to get stuff done on planet earth. And in the kingdom of God, if you want to get things done in the kingdom of God, currency in the kingdom of God is called faith. And the word of God, the Bible, that is the bank, that is the ATM, that is where you get the stuff to conduct transactions and business here on planet earth. So when you hear the word, that's the first part of a step. I must hear the word because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so when I hear faith, when I hear the word of God, the, when I hear that, it gives me hope. That things can be different, that things can change, that I don't have to live the same life that I was living before, that I don't have to be held back by the stuff that I was held back before by. Second Corinthians 5.17, if you're in Christ, you're a new creation, and old things passed away. Old things have no more power. Old things are powerless in your future. So faith, hearing the word gives me faith, it gives me hope, it gives me the capacity to take a step, but the work and the process and the pain and the hard stuff happens when I engage my faith muscles, my spiritual muscles, and I put my body at work, whoa, I put my body at work to leave where I was to get to where God wants me to go. That's a step. And God says, every time you do that, 
Every time you take a step, I delight. I rejoice. I am so happy that you did that. And it could be, you know what, I'm really, really tired, but I know that I need to go to church, so I'm getting up and I'm going. And I keep hearing about this stupid growth track thing, and I got a bad attitude, but I hear about it, and it's going to help me find my destiny, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to that thing. And I don't want to get around a bunch of people I don't know, but I guess that groups are important. I like Jay Shields, his, him and Tony Rogers. Is I keep hearing about these darn circles and stuff. I need to get in a group, so I'm going to start a group I want to go to. So they tossed beanbags. I love it. But you know what that was? God's like, praise God, that's a step. Or not praise God, praise me, that's a step. That's a, they're, they're going somewhere. They're at least taking a step to get out of where they were to get to where they're going. The other, a week ago, Shelly and I were, actually Steph said, you guys should watch this series that we're watching on, I guess it was on Hulu, not on Netflix, but, but you know, we weren't binge watching, but, but we were watching several episodes of it, and, and I guess, well, maybe we were binge watching because it's not denial of the first thing of, of anyway, <laughs> I don't think we were binge watching, but we're watching this, and, and so we're watching this program, and the screen went blank like there was about to be a commercial, and I turned to Shelly, and I go, oh, commercial. And then, like, two seconds later, the show's back on, which is why I really like stuff like that, because I don't like commercials much at all. And so the second time it happened, the screen goes blank, and I turned to Shelly, and I go, oh, commercial. And she goes, you're not going to do this every single time, are you? <laughs> so the third time that happened, I turned to her, and I go, and she looked at me with this look, and, she, and I go, you know what? You know what? A week later, we're watching the same thing. The very first time that the screen went blank, we looked at each other and said, you know what? It stuck, and it stayed there, and, it's, it, and it was very memorable. And you know what? Here's what happens. You hear the word of God. You hear me preach. You hear me going crazy. Last week I said, I feel like all I did was scream and shout. Pastor John goes, that's exactly what you did. You were just screaming and shouting. <laughs> I couldn't help it because I want this so badly for you. I want you to leave where you were so you can get to where you're going. But you can never leave where you are. You can't get beyond that if you're not willing to push beyond where you're at at the moment. And here's what happens. We begin to take a step. And we, there's hope and there's faith. And we're about to transfer the weight from one foot to the other. And all of a sudden, there's this voice of the enemy that says, you know what? You remember what you said. You remember how you failed. You remember what happened before. You remembered when you tried this before and it didn't work out. And you remember the, how embarrassed you were. You remember how you felt. And, 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 and we've got this hope. We've got that we want this so bad. But we, that's right. I remember. I know what. There's a cure for that. There's help for that. In the book of Lamentations, and Lamentations is a, a crazy book. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 19. There's two phrases that I, want you to, that I want you to see in this particular passage. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. The thought of it. 
the memory of it. I remember what it was like. And it brought bitterness into my life. It brought pain into my life. And some of you were there. Some of you have had that. Some of you have experienced that. Some of you are in it right now where the, it is painful. And you've tried a lot of other things. You think, I'm going to try this God thing. I'm going to try this Jesus thing. I'm going to try this church thing. I'm going to see it. I've got some friends that are, that are you know, they're, they're, they're doing this old church stuff. And it seems to be helping them. I am so desperate I'm going to church. <laughs> The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. I won't forget. And that's what happens. We hear the word and we're, we're hopeful, but I can't forget. And it's the I can't forget that keeps me grounded. It is the I can't forget that keeps me from really taking an entire step it is the I can't forget that lulls us into a, a sense of, of security that says I'm hearing the word, but even though I'm not doing it, I'm okay. And what happens is the step becomes a seat. And we nod in agreement, yes, amen, that's right. But we're afraid to really lean into it and put our weight on it. He said, I can't forget. I can't, and there's things that you can't forget. There's things that hold on to you. There's things that keep you, that you are connected to, that keep you where you are. And can I be honest with you this morning? You're not stuck because of God. Let me say that again. You are not stuck because of God. You're not stuck because God doesn't like you. You're not stuck because God doesn't love you. You're not stuck because you've done so many bad things that God can't fulfill his purpose in your life. You're not stuck because of God. You're stuck because you can't forget. You're stuck because you're still connected to the past. You're stuck because you don't know who you are. You're stuck because you don't know who you're connected to. You're stuck because you don't know that he is the vine and you're the branch. And the life that's in the vine is the same life that is in you. That you're connected to a living source. You're connected to a powerful source. You're connected to an overcoming source. And because you're connected to that source, that source of life and victory and power resides on the inside of you. But you're still connected to the past because you can't forget. You're like the writer of Lamentations. I cannot forget this. And I'm in the middle of this pain and this brokenness. And what you're doing is you're, you're straddling between faith and fear. You're straddling between the blessing and the brokenness. You're straddling between those things. And, and, and God is just saying, just take one step. Just take one step. Let it go. And that's what, that's what the writer says in verse 21. He says, yet, in the middle of what I can't forget, yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. For every, for every I can't, there's a remembering. For every I can't, there's always a greater remember. And it is the remembering, the choosing to remember while you're hearing I can't, the choosing to remember generates hope. And hope is a key ingredient to faith. Faith is the substance of things that are hoped for. Hope alone has no substance. It's an encourager, it's a motivator, but it has no substance. It takes faith to inject substance into hope. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the evidence of things I don't particularly or don't immediately see. So, I have hope. I dare, and I love that phrase. I dare, I dare to hope. I still dare to hope when I 
remember this. When the memory of failure, when the memory of fear, when the memory of rejection, when that fear that freezes you, there's a remembering that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. There's a remembering that the life of God is on the inside of you. There's a remembering that for every demon, there's two angels, and the power of God will work in your behalf and for you. He says the faithful love, the faithful love, the faithful love, which is why we spent so much time in the book of Ephesians. In those couple of verses, God says, I want you to experience the length and the depth and the breadth and the height of the love of God. And he says here, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. Never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. His mercies begin afresh each morning. And so when you're here in the I can't remember and I've screwed up, I just screwed up yesterday. That's okay if you screwed up because God's just made a fresh batch of mercy for you this morning, and every single morning that you wake up and your eyes, there's a brand new, fresh mercy, and you take that step, and it's not easy. Like David experienced, man, he, he experienced heartache, he experienced rejection, he experienced stuff as he was trying to pursue God, and there were moments and times he didn't understand, and he didn't know how he was going to do it, but at the end, it didn't matter how because he knew who. And for you, it doesn't matter how, as long as you remember who is your God and who is your source. Because he's a God that loves you. and He's a God that has mercy. He is merciful and kind to you. And and my heart breaks for people outside of the walls of this church that have no idea. God has been so misrepresented to him, to, to, to people that God is this God of judgment, this God of hate, God of anger. He's just waiting for you to get out of line so he can zap you. And as I like to say, if God was in the zapping business, we'd all been zapped a long time ago. But God's not in the zapping business. He's in the mercy business. He says he's slow to anger. Well, how slow is God slow? How slow is God slow? Jesus said, behold, I come quickly. It's been 2,000 years ago. If 2,000 years is quick with Jesus, how slow is slow? Amen? Amen. Get over yourself. Your mess up is not as big as you think it is or as the devil tries to remind you that it is. Life is in the step. Power is in the step. And one small step, one small, James 4, 8 says this. Draw close to me. And I'll draw close to you. If you move towards me, I'll move towards you. That's the process and the promise. The promise is that God will visit us. God will be with us if we just take one step. And I don't know, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want you to consider something. I believe God is here. I believe that by his spirit, he wants to speak to you, that you're you're the branch on the vine, the life, and the power that's in the vine is in the branch You're connected to God. The Bible says that we'll hear the voice of the good shepherd and the voice of a stranger we're not going to follow. And remember that taking a step means that our focus has to be where we're going, not where we've been. Our focus should be where we're going, not where we've been. And to take a step means we move forward, but we also leave where we were. 
And up until now, I've preached a nice message. But I could care less about preaching a nice message. Because I want you to take a step. And it would be wrong for me to try to guess what that step for you is. Because that's between you and God. And so I want you to take a, a second this morning and simply ask God. Ask God, God, what do you, what's the step you want me to take? And I want to remind you this morning. No matter how long you've been following, maybe you've made the step a seat. Maybe you're camping because you're comfortable. And God's saying, no, nah, that's, that's not good enough. Others, you've afraid because of what other people might think. You're afraid of what it will cost you to leave where you are right now. But God wants us to take a step. He wants us to take a step. So with your heads bowed, your eyes closed, just consider that for a moment this morning. Father, speak to your people. Father, speak to your people this morning. Father, speak to the hearts of this congregation today. Father, we don't want to be settled, set, we don't want to be satisfied and settle for halfway. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for divine destinies being accomplished in daily faithfulness. Father, help us to value a step. Help us to value and rejoice over just one step. Thank you, Father. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, maybe that's a first step for you. That really is the beginning. That is the first, perhaps, step that you're needing right now. And if you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never made him the Lord of your life and you'd like to, would you just hold your hand up real high? Yes, sir, thank you. Yes, ma'am, thank you. Anyone else? Yes, sir, thank you. Anyone else? Just hold your hand up really high today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Now, that's a step. That's the first part of the step. But the second part is doing what the Apostle Paul said. I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, but now I confess with my mouth that he is Lord. That completes the step. So we're going to pray a prayer. I'm going to ask you, in fact, all of the congregation, would you please uh, join with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, I come to you today in Jesus' name. I'm ready to take a whole step. I'm ready to leave where I was so I can go where you want me to go. I believe today that Jesus died for me. And that is enough for me. And so I confess this morning, Jesus, you're my Lord and my Savior. I give my life to you. I give my direction to you. I give my past, my present, and my future to you. In Jesus' name, I thank you this morning. My past is gone. My future is secure. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for these that have lifted their hand, who have prayed this prayer. And Father, I thank you. This is the first step of many. This is not the completion of the journey. It is the first step. And Father, I thank you that you will help us to be able to walk with them, that you'll help us to rejoice over these steps with them, just as the angels of God are rejoicing right now around the throne as one person repents and makes you the Lord of their life. We thank you for that this morning. We rejoice in that this morning. Uh, Father, I thank you that you will help us in every step that we take this week as we follow you in Jesus' name. Amen.